0: Welcome to a new episode of Michigan Marshals. I am your host, Ian, and this is episode 17 for April 30th, 2021, Shot Through the Heart. I'm going to start off by profusely apologizing for the uh, tardiness of this episode. Uh, Real life kind of caught up with me and I lost track of time, as as you do. So I'm going to try and make up for the lost time by talking about the Painting Challenge and some developments in the local community, uh, some games that I got to play, uh, some welcoming of new players to the group, and rounding all that out, I'm going to talk about Lilith Hart and her Dead or Alive Posse, hence the name of the podcast episode. So, without further ado, let's get started and talk about the Painting Challenge. Now I know it's been a while <laughs> and uh, a new painting challenge has indeed started. So the theme for quarter 2 of 2021 is third time's a charm. So the requirements for this challenge are to paint three models of a sing- from a single faction of your choosing. What I mean by that is if you paint three lawmen models, three outlaw model models, uh, three ships from the um, Commonwealth of Russia or Russian Commonwealth. You know, as long as they all belong to the same faction, they don't even have to belong to the same unit. As long as they're this, a, a single faction, you're good to go. So let's take a, a, a hex uh, example. So let's say you're painting the Third Man, a Wendigo, and Kali. That's legit because they're all Hex models. Or, to continue with the Dystopian Wars example, let's say you're, you've you got a bunch of the old Spartan miniatures laying around that you're trying to get painted up, and you've got a bunch of FSA uh, destroyers. Paint three of those up, you're good. And it remind you of the basic rules, You are to take a picture of the unpainted model, primed is okay, time-stamped, and up to three pictures of your finished model, and send those to me at warhostian at gmail.com by the deadline, which is July 2nd. Um, Depending on how things fall, we may fudge that number a little bit because it'll be summertime and people will want to be out and doing things. So early July-ish, but we're going to try a hold to July 2nd as the deadline. So hopefully we'll get some people getting some paint, uh, some paint on their models, and I get to look forward to seeing all those awesome submissions. And, um, oh, the one thing to remember is you got to rename those pictures. Rename them with Your Name 1, Your Name 2. Uh, your beginning picture could even be named Your Name Primed. As long as there's some way to identify you when I create the gallery on the Facebook page, you are good to go. And finally, there are prizes. There are prizes for for you to participate in this. Uh, The overall winner will get a posse box or a fleet box of their choosing, while the fan favorite will get a legendary unit or a hands unit of their choice. So um, I will be going through our friendly local game store bastion gaming now to get those particular prizes Um, so there may be some delays depending on how fast they can get stock in to get those out to you Um, but my goal is to get them to the winners before the start of the next challenge so that way you can take pictures and show hey i won this thing in this challenge so with that being said that kind of wraps up the painting challenge Um, if you have any questions You can reach to me on the the email at warhostian at gmail.com, or you can post in the local Facebook group, or you can talk in the Discord, which I'm going to segue into right now. Now, when I first started building the Wild West Exodus community here in the Michigan Great Lakes area, I created a Discord channel for everybody to kind of hang out and participate. Well, it hasn't been used much because um, most of the conversations do take place over Facebook on on the Facebook page. But that being said, I am planning on being more active on that Discord channel. Uh, if you need a link, I believe I have shared it on the Facebook page a, f- a couple times. If you don't if you don't have it and you can't, and it doesn't work, let me know and I'll I'll get you a working link. But yeah, uh, whatever gets posted on the Facebook page in terms of events and announcements, I will try to mirror on the Discord channel as best as possible. You know, because sometimes there's a translation error between Facebook and, and Discord. Yeah, is what it is. But yeah, um, the whole goal there is to just talk about the game, organize, maybe some local play events. You know, hey, uh, or so, something along the lines of, hey, I'm going to be at Gatekeeper or Golden Rhino or whatever your local store of choice is. is anybody in the area want to pick up a game instead of having to go through the hassle of uh, making a Facebook post. And, you know, sometimes that's more of a pain than, than it's really necessary. So yeah, uh, definitely check out the discord channel. Um, hopefully we'll just have a rolling discussion of whatever we want. There are channels for uh, hobby and whip, uh, for you to show off what you're working on. Uh, To touch back on a painting challenge, I do not care if you share your work-in-progress book pictures before the end of the deadline. I know there are some other challenges that kind of work the same as ours, and they say don't share before uh, the end of the contest. But we're such a small community, it doesn't really matter at this point. If we continue to grow, um, yeah, that might become a requirement, but so far, don't worry about it. Yeah, and there'll be... You, know, you can ask rules questions there. You can ask about list building, uh, if as long as it's related to Wild West Exodus, or Dystopian Wars, or uh, hopefully in the future, um, oh Firestorm Armada. I almost blanked on the name there. Uh, yeah, the the discussions will be open there. So far, I haven't had the necessary the necessary uh, requirement to split up discussion into the different games. I'll leave that to the official Discord and the unofficial fan one. So for now, it'll just be a. Uh, Kind of a mixed bag of everything that we got going on here in the Great Lakes State. Moving on, moving on from the Discord, uh, we're going to continue to talk about community building and events. Uh, first off, uh, I, a lot of you probably saw my Facebook post saying that FlintCon 2021 has finally failed its quick in the dead roll, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, the powers that be have decided that it is not safe to have such an event at this time, so the event has been canceled. I was really looking forward to hosting some uh, gunfights in the Weird West with you folks, but alas, it was not to be, and we'll have to wait a little longer for a bigger event such as that. I'm hoping Michigan GT happens without a, without a, uh, <laughs> any hiccups, as it were. Um, from the message, from the discussion that I've seen recently, there are plans to have it at full capacity. Uh, we'll see how that pans out, but I'm hoping to run a, turn- a gun swinger tournament there for for everybody. But uh, well, once again, it all depends on what the uh, what our leaders say and how they how the virus decides to uh, mutate or affect us all. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, moving on, in place of FlintCon, Bastion Gaming Center in Bloomfield Township has been kind enough to allow us to hold a open play and demo event at their store on the same date, which is May 15th. So if you're in the area or you want to take a little bit of a drive, come on over to Bloomfield Hills or Bloomfield Township, sorry, and uh, come Play some Wild West Exodus. I will have tables available. Um, I will try to accommodate as many people as I can um, within limits of the store. And the store will also have Wild West Exodus in stock. Uh, They are the only store outside of Golden Rhino that have actually taken stock of Wild West Exodus. And if they don't have something that you need, they can definitely get it on order for you. So exciting news there. But yeah, the event will be mostly just kind of a hangout, throw some dice, you know, shake some rust off if you haven't played in a while. And uh, just have a just have a day of of fun shooting in the Weird West, as it were. So looking forward to that. If you know anybody that has an interest in the game or was kind of curious about it and wants to see how it plays out, definitely bring them along or urge them to come because uh we're uh, our little community here is growing ever so slightly after the uh, the break, the great shutdown of 2020. And with that being said, I would like to uh, welcome two new members to the community, uh, Matt and Jeremy. You folks know who you are uh, that are slowly looking to become part of our local play group. Uh, uh jeremy i don't know what he plays yet but matt has expressed interest in warrior nation and lawmen so we got another lawman player in the area so thumbs up to that so cool welcome guys i hope you guys have a good time and uh yeah it's fun to have a growing community after the craziness that was last year so let's see what else is going on uh yes resuming play uh The powers that be have decided that it's okay for us to have in-person gaming. Um, I'm sure that's not news to a lot of you, but, you know, you never know. Uh, So I'm resuming uh, our every other Tuesday uh, Wild West Exodus night, but this time it'll be at Bastion Gaming Center because they have been so kind to uh, stock the game and uh, show the community a little bit of good faith in, uh, in bringing that game in. So for the time being, we will be at Bastion on every other Tuesday uh, for the foreseeable future, um, as long as things don't shut down again. <laughs> and uh, we're, I'm hoping to see a lot of you slowly, as you feel comfortable, uh, come back to, uh, to play with us. Uh, and that being said, our next day for Wild West Exodus is this coming Tuesday, uh, May the 4th. Uh, May the 4th be with you all you Star Wars fans. So yeah, hope to see some of you uh, decide to come out and uh, throw dice. Um, Moving on to the hobby table. Um, I've kind of sidelined my golden army project. Um, (laughs) uh, It just happens. I get project ADD. I'll look at something that's been sitting on my table for years and go, Oh, maybe I should paint that instead of that thing that I, that I really want to paint. So I have uh, shifted gears and moved over to my Confederate Rebellion posse, uh, which I've had since I got into the game. <laughs> They've been built and primed. They, I just haven't done any work on them. So uh, Stonewall Jackson got uh, got some paint on him recently. Um, I'm still working on him. Hopefully to get him done here pretty soon. Uh, and uh, I'll be working through the rest of that posse box as time allows. Um, in other news, I finished up the Nizambu Snake. Nizambu Snake is done. I'll get pictures of him up on Instagram. Maybe I should link my Instagram on this. Nah, who cares? Uh, <laughs> it's like social media governance. But yeah, the Nizambu Snake is done. He is ready for the table to go and um, cause terror and mayhem wherever he goes. Um, Hex Posse also, also got kind of sidelined, but I'll come back to that eventually. Um uh, a lot of terrain printing recently. I've been print uh, my printer is back up and running for this for, for the time being. So I've been printing out a lot of terrain to use. So uh well, I love adding scattered terrain to boards. Yeah, it's nice having the big buildings and the big centerpieces. But something just sells the table when you've got like tombstones laying around or just crates or tents, you know, just little stuff that just kind of spices the board up a little bit. So I've been uh, putting my printer to work, print, uh, making some of that stuff. So looking forward to getting some of that painted up and ready for the table. Uh, what else is going on hobby-wise for Wild West Exodus? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, as I said, Confederate rebellions kind of keeping me busy, as is all the, uh, the little terrain pieces I'm trying to throw together. And uh, moving on, we're going to talk about games played. Yeah, we're we're going to talk about a hilarious thing that happened in a demo game with Matt uh, when he came in to try out Wild West Exodus. Uh, we did Infernal Investigations, Helena Miller's Posse versus, versus um, Augusta Byron and the Galvanic Mysteries Posse. Um, towards the end of the demo, uh, what happened was two of my units got killed. And as you know, Enlightened have a lot of tainted units. So, I had to do a taint check. Well, the first taint check, I crit failed. (laughs) And if you are familiar with that rule, uh, it means that the hex beast that is spawned from the taint check is in control of my opponent. Well, I I did an activation, and then Matt did another activation and killed another one of my units. We actually used a unit of brutes that were standing next to each other. Well, tank check was made. I passed the tank check. So the two hex pieces, one in my opponent's control and one in my control, were right next to each other. Almost in base to base contact. So they're almost in- engaged right off the bat. <laughs> um unfortunately we ran out of time, the store was closing, so we kind of had to <laughs> we kind of had to hold off and see what happened there, but um, it was definitely a hilarious situation to see one hex piece pop out and be like, no, nope, I'm your enemy now, and then a second one pop out and be like, no, nope, I'm your friend, and uh, it was kind of a if you've seen that spider me Spider Man meme, <laughs> spider meme, where he's pointing at a, a copy of Spider Man, it was kind of that kind of situation going on there. Um, two weeks later, uh, Matt and I played a game. Uh, it was Madre Perez's Faithful of Castilla versus versus Morgan Earp and the Armored Justice Posse. I got the floor wipe with me because um, Madre P- uh, Perez's posse is not, it needs something else outside of just the, uh, the amount of bottles to survive. But it was a fun game altogether. Um, I was bound and determined to lasso a UR31 heavy law bot and f- failed at least once. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was definitely a fun game, and I look forward to uh, playing some more Conquistadors in the future. So, I think that's all I have for hobby and games played. Um, so, we're just going to roll right on into uh, the, the main topic, which is the Dead or Alive Posse and Lilith Hart and her band of ruffians. <laughs> and now, as I always like to do, I will start off with the lore of the Posse. Um, these, these guys actually have a pretty decent write-up for them. So without much delay, let's get right into it. And as always, this lore can be found on the store.wildwestexodus.com website. So if you want to go find it yourself, it's available. Doing time in jail is an occupational hazard when you're a bounty hunter in the Arizona territories. For Lilith Hart, not having spent even a minute of her life behind bars was a boast she made on a regular basis. Ain't till those Earp boys sprout wings they got a chance of catching me was a favorite of her favorite of hers. Those individuals who bring in criminals for bounty often flirt with legality, and Lilith Hart and her posse are no exception. That was, of course, until she found herself out in Warrior Nation land in northern Arizona, out of ammo, out of juice, and out of luck. Quilt of Stars and her pack of wolves sniffed out the Bonnie Hunter and dragged Hart kicking and screaming back to Marshall Reeves and Sheriff Bullock. Sitting in her cell, Hart spent a good deal of time pondering some of her recent life choices and came to the conclusion that going after John Mosby, the gray ghost, was a job beyond even her capabilities. They had grossly underestimated Mosby and his gang of freaks and wished she had someone on her team with more than one set of arms. (laughs) That's just where the trouble began, though, as it turned out Jack Turkey Creek Johnson was a friend of the Earps and all hell broke loose the following day. With the tombstone, tombstone boys hot on their heels, Hart and Co. soon had to scatter to the four winds in order to try and avoid capture. As it turned out, those Earth boys didn't need the sprout wings. They just needed a handful of deputies and gyrocopters to chase Lilith down and force her to crash land out in the wilderness. It took less than a week for her posse to find her and break her out of jail. Now the hornet's nest was well and, and truly been kicked and deputies from across the territories have been called up to hunt for the gang. Forced into hiding in the little town of Ria Sonora, New Mexico, Lilith Hart and her band of wanted men lie in wait for the lawmen and other bounty hunters who are no doubt hot on their tail. Broad Arrow Jack might be the most notorious member of the posse. His association with so many outlaws and his unrelenting disregard for the law has ensured his reputation precedes him. They say Jack has a wife in every state and that it's reason enough to ensure he never stays in the same place for long. Thomas Tate Tobin, however, is a fellow with an unknown past. Many say that isn't his real name, and while this is unremarkable for an outlaw, those who discover his real name and his history often pass it off as being merely a flight of fancy. The truth is that that Tobin was once a member of Ponce de Leon's band and was born over 300 years ago. Another mysterious member of Lilith's posse is Longtree. Although he is is a medical practitioner with dubious credentials, he has saved the life of many as an outlaw in his time and serves Lilith well in this capacity. Few have seen the face behind his mask, and even fewer have survived to tell the tale. James McLean, while he has been used to operating alone, has come to realize that no man is an island, especially when you can't decide where your loyalties lie and has therefore thrown his lot in with Lilith. McLean is happy to use his uh, position as marshal to get him out of some tight spots, should he need to. Some say that Jim Peterson cannot die. No matter how much lead you pump into him, he just gets back up. Money can't buy that kind of reputation, and Jim is more than happy to shovel fuel on that fire. Peterson is lethal with a blade and prefers to get up close and personal in a fight. Jan Packer, known to some as the Wraith, due to his talent for simply disappearing if, the thing, if things get too hot, is a ruthless killer, and Hart is happy to unleash him on her enemies. He revels in destruction and enjoys punishing his foes with a hail of shells from his repeating shotgun. That's uh, quite the uh, class of characters. I, I, I usually consider this posse like, like the Expendables. <laughs> you know, it's got all these named characters. But uh yeah, if you buy the posse box, it's got Lilith Hart, Jan the Wraith Packer, Long Tree, Thomas Tate Tobin, Jim Peterson, Broad Arrow Jack, and James the Masked, Marshall McClain, all in the same box. So you get a seven-man posse, which is pretty neat. And as always, we're gonna start going through the posse itself, rules-wise, and some of the in-the-unit cards for the members in that posse. So let's start with the posse bonus. The posse bonus is if at least five so- slots are filled in the posse, then all units in the posse gain the, gain the teamwork common rule. Now, teamwork is the one where you get to trigger a hand within or a face within eight inches after an activation. So you can basically daisy chain activations. So the posse slots go as follows. Uh, slot one needs to be on uh, the Wraith Packer. Slot two needs to be Longtree. Slot three is Thomas Tate Tobin. Slot four is Jim Peterson. Slot five is Broad Arrow Jack. And slot six is James the Masked Marshal. And if you buy the posse and you bring them all, the cost for the entire group is 795 points. So not bad. Definitely room to bring another posse if you're building a tournament list. But 795 is actually pretty comfortable. And, uh, yeah, what I would consider doing if I was building it, I would bring basically Jesse James and Frank James and maybe something somebody else just kind of you know round out to 1,200 points. I don't know. I haven't really played too much with it. But, yeah, definitely there's some room to, to add some more cool stuff in. But let's not talk about the posse. Let's talk about the units that are in it. <laughs> let's start out with the boss, Lilith Hart. Uh, she's a boss outlaw, human female mercenary flight model. Yes, she does have a jetpack. She has fortune three. She's one hundred and sixty points. She is unique, as all bosses and faces usually are. She's quick five, mind six, aim six, grit six, fight six, limit three. And she has a <laughs> she has quite an arsenal on her. She has sharp talons, which are crit lethal. Those are her base-to-base melee weapons. Those are a Pierce Minus 1, Rate of Attack 2. She has Juiced Grenades, which are Stun, Indirect, Blast, Crit Overcharge. Those are a 6-inch range, Pierce Minus 3, Rate of Attack 1. She also has a Lasso, tangle, Special, Refined, Crit Drag. 6-inch range on that one, too. No Pierce, Rate of Attack 1. And she, in the, uh, the beefy... Weapon that she's got are Atomic Pistols, Lethal, Close to Work, Crit Blast. <laughs> oh, that's bad for hands units if you crit on those. 10-inch uh, range, Pierce Minus 2, Rate of Attack 2. She has Metal, the Quick in the Dead, Largesse, Target Priority, Moving Target, and Dead-Eyed. She has, uh, for Special Rules, Filtered Lungs. She ignores the Disorder Effects for Smokescreen Weapons. Um... If she is taken in a lawman force, uh, she has Dead or Alive. When engaged with a stunned or disordered enemy model, this unit gains the lethal weapon quality on all melee weapons. <laughs> oh, that's pretty mean. She has Flight or Fight. She, even when she is nominated as the target of a charge action, she may spend a for- point of fortune to immediately be placed D5 away from her current position. Uh, position. This placement must be to a point directly away from the charging unit. The placement cannot be into impassable terrain or cause the unit to be engaged. So basically a way to kind of get her to dodge out of being charged. She has elusive. Backstab backstab reactions against this unit suffer a negative four penalty. She has check the bounty. Once during your activation, she may spend two action points to look at the top three cards from their adventure deck and may discard any number of them. Replace the remaining cards in any order on top of the deck. So she can have some um, adventure deck manipulation. Let's say you you pull that card up and you see the two bottom ones are action point cards. And you want to bring those up to the front. You can totally do that. And finally, she has quick draw. Once per activation, if this unit successfully hits with a shoot action, it may make a second shoot action at the same or different target unit for one action point rather than two. And the second shot may not be made with weapons with the heavy or complex qualities. She definitely wants to be up for you know kind of in the mid range, but with her grits, uh, with her grit six with metal, it, she, she is kind of fragile. But she also has a moving target, which you know allows, uh, which forces a reroll if he if she is hit. Um, I think you can probably be safe trying to keep her in the mid-range, try to keep her hidden, and use those grenades as best you can. And then as targets get softened up, go in with those pistols and start start going to town. And uh, use that flight uh, ability to put her where you need her. Definitely a cool bottle. Um, yeah, it's... I'm just trying to think tactically how I would use her. Um, she, I don't think she fits in the same tactical window as Helene Miller, but she's definitely similar. Moving on to Jan the Wraith Packer. He is a face outlaw, hex, lawman, human male, mercenary, confederate, tainted unit. Uh, he is Fortune One, 110 points, unique. He has quick five, mind five, aim six, grit six, fight five, limit three. His pistols have revolver, fan, close work, ten inch range, pierce minus one, rate of attack two. He's also armed with a blade, which has parry, uh, one inch range, pierce minus one, rate of attack one. And then he's got a revolving shotgun, ammo clip, linked and torrent, uh, pierce minus two or rate of attack one. Oh, that's ah. Uh, just the thought of a torrent-linked weapon. For common rules, he has tough, the quick and the dead, target priority, and durable. And he has a whole load of special rules, so hold on. He's got dying breath, should this unit be destroyed, but not if otherwise removed from play. He can make a free combat action before being removed from the play area. He has stone-cold killer. Anytime this unit destroys an enemy model, it receives an additional action point for this activation, but the limit still applies. He has Trapper, he can bring a booby trap, and he ignores the trigger detonation rule. He has Gun Down, unless using a weapon with the indirect heavy blast or torrent qualities, he does not suffer the negative four penalty to aim for shooting at an engaged enemy enemy. Furthermore, this unit does not hit a friendly engaged unit on a critical fail when making a shoot action against an engaged enemy unit. Oh, that's uh, if if you got somebody melee and you really need to get that opponent off, you just walk up with your pistols and just gun down. <laughs> he has death dealer. While he is engaged, each successful hit caused by this unit, by this unit on an enemy unit they are engaged with causes a further automatic hit. It's kind of like brutal. And if uh, he also has the, if taken in a lawman force, dead or alive, where he gains the uh, lethal weapon quality if he's engaged with a stunned or disordered model. I forgot to put the model, the pictures of the models. I'll do that at the end. So, yeah, he is your frontline fighter. (laughs) You throw him up there and just have him go to town. Um, and plus remember he's tainted too. So if he dies, not only does he um, well let's see where. He, yeah, not only does he do dying breath, but he also has a chance to spawn in as a hex beast. So yeah, he is gonna be up front taking names, doing your doing some heavy fighting for you. Up next is Longtree. Uh, he's your doctor. I'm just going to say that right off at the right off at the front. Um, he is a face outlaw, hex warrior nation, human male, mercenary agent, dark nation unit. He has no fortune. He's 75 points, a bargain. He is unique, so you you know, as all faces are. He's quick six, mind five, aim four, grit five, fight five, limit three. He is armed with a filleting blade, which is crit fatal, base-to-base range, pierce minus one, rate of attack one. And he has a drug pistol, which is stun, close work disorder, crit fatal, 10-inch range, no pierce, rate of attack one. He has the common rules, metal, the quick and the dead, and target priority. And he has the special rules, uh, sawbones, any friendly unit, excluding this unit within five, may re-roll failed grit checks and he has no, that has no effects on machine, artifact, or structure units. He has Savant. Once per turn, when activated, he may spend one action point for uh, the owning player to select and examine up to two random cards in their opponent's ha- uh, hand of adventure cards. One of the chosen cards is discarded. The remaining are returned to the opponent's hand. So you can really kind of, let's say, you see that your opponent has Interrupt card. Get rid of it. <laughs> so yeah you can definitely mess with your opponent on that one Yes, enervate. for one action point he may select a non legendary enemy unit in line of sight within 12 the target must pass a mind check if the check has failed the selective, selected unit immediately loses d5 fortune chip so you, you have a way to strip fortune off of uh, faces that have it and he also has filtered lungs which ignores uh, smokescreen weapons um yeah, he is a complete discount. He, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing about that, uh, savant thing, you can actually pull, uh, fortunate, you pull victory points out of your opponent's hand. Like if he's about ready to score, like he's about ready to kill one of your units that he might have scored on, you pull it out and see, oh, kill a hands, uh, uh face unit with a shoot action. Yeah, you don't get that. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and Enervate, he can use it to make p- opponents uh, vulnerable, but the real thing is that Drug Pistol. Yeah, Drug Pistol's great for adding uh, uh, condi- negative conditions to opponents. So he's definitely more, he is your support character. I would try to protect him so that he can kind of do his thing. But, meh. He is a bargain, and he has the chance to keep your dudes alive, which is always good in my book. And as I said, we'll talk about the models at the end. Next is Thomas Tate Tobin, the Conquistador. (laughs) He is a, a face outlaw, hex, lawman, human, male, mercenary, Conquistadors, agent, tainted unit, second tainted unit in the posse. He has one fortune. He's 125 points. Unique. He is quick five, mind five. Aim 5, Grit 6, Fight 5, Limit 3. He is also carrying quite the weapons load. He has a basic melee weapon. base to base Pierce 0, Rate of Attack 1. He has a Golden Pistol, Revolver Fan, Ammo Clip, Close Work. 10-inch range on that. Pierce minus 2, Rate of Attack 1. He has a Lasso, which has Tangle, Special Refined crit Drag. 6-inch range pierce 0, rate of attack 1, just like Lilith's. And he has a golden rifle, which has ammo clip. And that has a range of 20 inches, pierce minus 2, rate of attack 1. He has the uh, common rules, metal, the quick and the dead, target priority, and surefoot. For special rules, he also has stone cold killer. uh, That's the one where if he kills an enemy unit, he receives an additional action point. If He also has uh, Dead or Alive, if taken in a Lawman force. He has Headhunter, when he destroys an enemy model that has the unique special rule, he immediately gains a fortune chip. He has Trapper, which allows him to bring the booby trap and ignore trigger detonation. And he has Shoulder to Shoulder. Uh, He gains plus one grit while in base contact with another friendly model. He is, yeah, he's a frontline fighter. He's another frontline fighter. The rifle's great at range, but you kind of want him in the mid-table. But he doesn't really have any other special abilities that are all-around good. Um, they're more situationally useful. So I'd, I'd run Yan and Thomas together kind of close. Not Maybe put him base-to-base base if you want to get that plus-one grit on Thomas. But yeah, your, he's another frontline fighter. So I'd have more work together, as it were. Next is Jim Peterson. Isn't there an actor by that name? Anyway. He is a face outlaw, human, male, mercenary, cowboys, regulators unit. He has one fortune. He has 125 points. He is unique because he's a face. He is quick five, mind seven, Aim 6, Grit 5, Fight 7, Limit 3. He has a Ketchum Grenade, which is Stun Indirect Blast. 6 inches on that one, Pierce Minus 2, Rate of Attack 1. He has a Blade, which is Parry. Uh, 1 inch range, Pierce Minus 1, Rate of Attack 1. And Juiced Pistols, Revolver Fan Close Work, Crit Overcharge. Range 10, Pierce Minus 2, Rate of Attack 2. Standard Pistol, as you were. Um, and he has the following common rules, metal, the quick and the dead, target priority, and prodigious. His special rules are undercover. He must be um, held in reserve. Once available, the unit is deployed anywhere in the play area. You must deploy at least 12 inches from an enemy unit and cannot deploy into a transport. Unless it was within 8 inches and line of sight, this unit cannot be nominated as the initial target of an attack by any human enemy units Unless that unit first successfully passes a mind check. Oof. Yo, he's a sneaky boy. He is impervious. He ignores the fatal quality and negative piercing modifiers when taking grit checks. That's awesome. And he has split shot. He may target different units with each dice from their weapons. The rate of attack in the shoot action rather Oh, from their weapons and a shoot a rate of attack and a shoot action rather than having to resolve them against a single target. He does not need to spend an action point to use the revolver fan quality. And he has filtered lungs, which allows him to ignore that pesky, pesky smoke. Um, He is a lone wolf. I would have, yeah, undercover him, pop him out, let him go on the opponent's side. Um, Let him go and harass your opponent's back line, maybe try and get get an objective. Um, He's got good weapons. So, yeah, send him off to do something. And hopefully he'll accomplish those, depending on how your your dice rolls. But yeah, he is uh, definitely your sneaky boy that you send out to uh, murder things. (laughs) Moving right along through this posse. Coming along up to Broad Arrow Jack. He is a face outlaw, male, human, nautilus, mercenary agent. He is one fortune, 100 points. He's unique. He has quick six, mind five, aim five, grit five, uh, fight six, limit three. He has he is carrying heavy fists, which are crit stun, or no range, base to base, obviously from melee. Uh, Pierce minus one, rate of attack two, and he has a four t four heavy blaster pistols, um, which are revolver fan, close work, refined, displace, crit fatal. Oh, just saying that makes it sounds like it'd be fun to use. For common rules, he has the he has metal, the quick and the dead, and target priority. Uh, For special rules, he has gambler. When he's activated, he may discard their action card and draw a new action card from the deck. If it if he does so, the new card is applied immediately. The unit ignores their action limit for this activation. If the new card is equal to or lower than the original action card, then they receive the stun condition. So, you know, apt, aptly named. So you have a chance to get more action points or none at all. He has Treasure Hunter. He adds plus one to the adventure cards in the player's hand. And should he be destroyed, he, you lose that bonus. He has For the Ladies. Any model in the unit may add plus one to their grit, fight, and mind if they are within three inches of a female human model. He has Report. Which is the one where you can bring uh, a civilian strategic unit for the appropriate points cost. He also has Headhunter, which allows him to uh, gain a fortune ship if he kills a unique special, uh, a kill a unique model. And he also has Favor the Bold, once per activation. If he wipes out the last model in an enemy unit with a combat action, he gains plus one fortune ship. So, I think he's, I would consider him another frontline fighter, but, um, yeah, he's kind of, I don't know, he's kind of a jack of all trades, I would think, but maybe with his, uh, his grit five, you wouldn't want him up front, but yeah, he's, uh, he's a good all, I think he's a, a, a decent all rounder, but he definitely has some, uh, Abilities that allow you to manipulate your hands and gain fortune chips and do all that fun stuff. But yeah, don't get me wrong. He will probably kill stuff if he's if you know if he has to. But I think his his benefit comes from being able to do that uh, treasure hunter and uh, the fortune manipulation. And finally, we come to James the Masked Marshal McLean. He is a face outlaw, lawman, human, male, mercenary, martial, ranger unit. He is he has one fortune. He's 100 points. He is unique. He's quick five, mind five, aim six, grit five, fight six, limit three. He is armed with a lasso, which has tangle, special, refined, crit, drag, uh, range six, pierce zero, rate of attack one on that one. He is, also has the Iron Asp Baton, which has parry and stun, base-to-base base on that one, pierce minus one, rate of attack one, and he also has chase pistols, which are revolver fan, close work, and refined. Uh, typical pistol stats on those, range 10, my, uh, pierce minus one, rate of attack two. He has metal, the quick and the dead, target priority, trail finder, surefoot, and agile for his common rules. And for special rules, he has Tin Man. He gains plus one grit while within six inches of a friendly marshal or sheriff unit, not including themselves. And he may use the mind attribute of any friendly marshal unit within line of sight of of this unit for yeller checks. He also has Dead or Alive. He has Split Shot. He may target different units with each die from their weapons. He has Elusive, which are the ones where uh, backstab reactions suffer a negative four penalty and if he's taken in an outlaw's force he has check the bounty once during their activation this unit may spend 2 action points to look at the top 3 cards of the adventure deck and discard any number of them so he's he's another like middling mid range he's an all purpose dude basically <sighs> It looks like he does have the weakest unit, that uh, weakest weapon in the entire posse. But I'd send him to go obje- go do objectives because he doesn't really do a lot for the posse itself. But I don't know. One of those guys where it's just kind of middling and average, as it were. But uh, yeah, that is the posse. That is all the units you get in the posse box. Uh, let's talk about the models themselves and, uh, move right along with this posse overview. Now to talk about the posse models, um, as a group, they look really good. Um, it's kind of, of a mixed bag of different, you know, different characters as you would expect from this kind of ragtag, you know, moment of opportunity posse, but, um, Let's go through each one, starting with Lilith Hart herself, who's, who's probably the most interesting looking in the entire posse. Um, she is on her uh, using her jetpack with a cloud of smoke, uh, which is kind of modeling wise, it's used to support her into kind of a leaping action. She's got she's looking off to her right and kind of behind her with her gun drawn, and she's got an eagle or a hawk or, or some description with her. With her hair flying in the wind. She does have like a mask on. But the rest of her head's kind of. Um, kind of exposed. Um, for those of you that are. Uh, Horus heresy people. Um, she does kind of look her. The way she's got her hair done. And the mask. It kind of makes her look like. Uh, a Sisters of silence. But um, if you look at her. Her unit card. And kind of how they colored her. On the uh, posse box. They're using the same colors as Boba Fett. You know, green, gray, a little bit of yellow. So she definitely fits that. Like they're trying to tie her in as a bounty hunter. So you get that visual cue that oh, this is a bounty hunter. And uh, if I picked up this posse, I would definitely try to paint it in that in that way. Um, definitely a dynamic pose. Uh, it really fits. Uh, fits the character from what we know of her, and uh, just just lo- looks well put together in terms of just aesthetic, and sculpting. Uh, next is we're going to talk about uh, Jan Packer. Um, he's not as dynamically interesting, but he does have that stoic menace. I would call it just he's just standing there with the shotgun over his shoulder, looking off to his to his right as if you know like I'm going to go get somebody. There's a lot of detail on his uh, chest plate and his leg armor, um, and um, the shotgun that he's carrying the revolving shotgun definitely looks like something you wouldn't want to mess with or be on the receiving end of uh, end of um he's got an armor plate that comes down the back of his shoulder about halfway to the middle of his back to kind of complete the uh the armor that he's wearing but yeah, the pose isn't super exciting um if you're looking for dynamic poses, but um it it fits the it fits him well. Uh, we're going to talk about Longtree. Um, he's also, he's a, <laughs> I like this model because it's got the, uh, the long nosed plague monk or plague doctor, not plague monk. That's fantasy. Uh, he's got the long plague doctor mask on with a cowboy hat <laughs> with a, with a basically uh, chainsaw Saw, uh, bone saw raised above his head and his doctor bag in his other hand. <laughs> he goes, I'm going to heal you, but you may not like it. <laughs> the, I would say this model has a lot of character in it. Um, I think if you saw this on the table and you didn't know what Wild West Exodus was, this would be a, a model that you would definitely want to take a closer look at. Um, he does, he's doesn't. he got like a little uh, like respirator on his chest, too, that goes up into the mask. That's pretty cool. And there's also a lot of um, like stitching and rivets and stuff like that all across his um, his clothing that he's got. So, definitely a lot of opportunity for getting those small details if that's your thing when you paint. But yeah, I like that. I like this model. I really do. I'd buy the posse just for this, just so I can, re- not because he's a great, you know, rules wise, but still the model looks fun. Uh, Moving on to Thomas Tate Tobin, uh, another one that's kind of in a static pose. He's got one foot forward, um, and he's holding up the head of something, probably a bounty. Could be a a constructed menial. I think that's how I'd paint it. I'd paint it as a constructed menial because that's my other faction. Yeah, enlightened. (laughs) Be like, yeah, I got one of your dudes here. Um, He's got a, he's got his rifle over his uh, shoulder, and he's got a big. Burly beard. Um, his armor has a lot of detail in it, a lot of um, curved lines and uh, inlays in it, which look really cool. And the, the backside of the armor does, too. And it looks like he's got, like, armored plates going on the sides of his legs, which also continue with that um, curled motif. Oh, I think it's a guy. Like, oh, I think he's got a fleur-de-lis on his back, too. That's pretty cool. I just now noticed that. But yeah, he he, sculpting wise, he looks cool. Pose wise, eh, is what it is. And next is oh, who is this guy? I can never remember names. That's Jim Peterson. There we go. This one is the other one that's also really dynamically posed. He's got his left foot up on a canister of RJ ten twenty seven. And he's got his pistol leveled, ready to gun somebody down. He's got a knife in the other hand. It looks like he's ready to take a shot and then take off running again. Uh, totally fits his his rules. He's got a long uh, duster coat on with a uh, kerchief, you know, kind of tied around his neck. He's got the goggles and the face mask and the hat. It just it the whole ensemble comes together really well. Definitely fits that Western steampunk feel that we're looking for in our favorite Wild West game. Um, he's got a pa- he's got um some sort of canister, not canister. It's like a packet, not a package. Looks like a quiver almost. That's on his back. I'm not sure what that's for. Maybe his knife. Oh yeah, that's got to be for his knife. Never mind. I am not paying attention apparently. But yeah, this is the other model I really like out of this posse. The handgun just looks huge, which I'm okay with. I'm okay with oversized handguns in this game. But yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, the the other thing is notice that because he, because of his pose, because he's got, um, he's kind of using the, um, RJ 1027 canister as something to kind of put his foot on. He does have an integrated base, uh, with his model. So that's just something to be aware of when, uh, for your modeling purposes. Now, moving on to broad arrow jack. Um he doesn't have a shirt on. Um, this is one that yeah, he's leaning forward and he looks like he's shooting, but this one just to me it doesn't it's like eh. It's a dude with a gun. Eh. I hate to say that about any of the you know, any of Wild West Exodus model, but it's just a dude with a gun <laughs> but uh that being said the sculpting is really well done uh, you can see the scar tissue on his uh, on his chest he's got like uh some wrappings on his arm and maybe a bracelet on the other hand other hand um there's some detail in his um holsters and the equipment that he wears uh uh on him like all the bullet loops. That looked pretty cool. Looks like he's got something like etched into his back too, like scar tissue that was put there. That's pretty cool. So yeah, even though like overall the you know, at first glance, the sculpt isn't really interesting. But when you start looking in the details, it starts popping out at you. And then finally, we've got Jim Peterson. This is the other model. I'm really not. Eh. He's just kind of standing there with his gun out you know, in, in his right hand, like he just did a quick draw, but, uh, it does fit the flavor of wild West Exodus. He's got, uh, he's got a vest on with a lot of intricate detail in it. Uh, he's got his, uh, (laughs) he's got his tin star on and the mask. Yeah. Pose wise. It's not, it's as I said, it's the other model that I'm not super, super enthralled with, but, uh, the little details kind of make up for it. And, that, and that's kind of all I really have to say about the models and set themselves. Um, the posse is something I would, very somebody that's more and more drifting into outlaws territory in terms of what I play and what I want to see ran in my games of Wild West Exodus. Um, this posse is one I would definitely consider picking up, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the segment, I would buy this posse and uh, and use another posse to supplement it, to bring it up to tournament standard. So, as I said, it comes to $7.95 with just the box. If I brought a second posse, I'd probably bring Jesse James's posse which is honor among thieves let's see what we can do here I just bring base Jesse James I bring Frank James just basically right out a gunfight at Red Oak that brings me to 1060 and I can bring a mercenary hands or another mercenary face unit um let's do raider gunmen let's see what that brings us Five-man unit of that with a juice Gatling gun upgrade. All right, cool. That brings me to twelve hundred. Even that's what I would do. Um, I might, I might drops that upgrade as I'm just spitballing right off the bat here. Might want to drop that unit down and bring booby traps because I get benefits from bringing those in the main posse. Nah, drop the Raider gunman. Sorry, this is <laughs> live list building, yay. <laughs> see, that leaves me with 100 points. Let's see what we can throw in there. Not a whole lot, unfortunately. Um, For faces, but like what if you bring the 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 dead or alive posse you bring two booby traps and if you bring let's say you bought the gunfighter Red Oak and you're bringing Jesse James and Frank James that leaves you with a hundred points left to fill for your units And so hey, the base cheapest hands unit is 20 points so you only get three of them four of them maybe. Yeah, three, four. Nah, yeah, you could bring five cutthroats or five gunmen. I don't know. I require. I, I'd play around with some more. But if you want to get some hands units in here, uh, definitely bring Jesse James, Frank James, and some bandit gunmen. Just to kind of bring everything up to twelve hundred points. I'm not gonna say this posse would be any good, but it, it's it's something to fill out to get you to that tournament standard. And with that being said, that kind of wraps up all I have to say about the Dead or Alive Posse. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's one that's really interesting. It's got a lot of stuff that can bring with it and it leaves you some room to bring in some other toys if you uh, if you truly want to. So with that being said, again, I apologize for the lateness of this episode and I will try to endeavor to be back on a somewhat regular schedule for next time until then roll those crits and we'll see you in the next episode.